Welcome to Do A Blessing CNS Church London's podcast, sharing the good news weekly. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Sure mercies. Sure mercies. As I take us through a couple of things in scriptures, we may not, it may, you know, I pray that God would, God would, help us and touch our hearts as we as we begin to you know, learn more understand how the principles of the kingdom of God works. Last week we spoke about I spoke about marriage in relation to the to relation to God and the church. And I'm just going to start off from a scripture that I used in that particular um, in that particular session. First Peter chapter 1 verse 10 to 13. The Bible says that concerning this salvation, the prophets prophesied about the grace which was to be yours. Such inquired carefully. So that means that about the gospel, the Bible says that even the Old Testament prophets, they inquired, and this is where you know people need to. This is where when you're reading the scriptures, you need to understand the transition and things that move from one part to another. So the Bible says that inquiring of what person or the time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the suffering of Christ and the glory, that the subsequent glories. So that means that all they were trying to find out, when you read the life of Moses, when you read the life of Elijah, when you read the life of all those big prophets, the center of their mission was to find out what was about to happen. And... When you go to verse 12, sorry, I've highlighted a part there, but verse 12, this is, this is not highlighted in scriptures, but I just want to lay emphasis on what I'm, uh, where we are going with this. It says, it was revealed to them that they, were, that they were not serving themselves, but you. So that means the Bible is saying that Elijah and the rest were not, they were actually serving the generation that is to come. So he says that in these things that have now been announced, to you through the preaching of good news by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The Bible says, things which angels long to look. So that means that what is happening now, what God has bestowed on us, the, the, um, the, the season that we are in, even though it may look like the season that we are in, what you have, what you and I have in Christ, the Bible says that angels are looking. Another person will say they are marveled at what is going on. So he now said, therefore, therefore, prepare your mind for action. Being sober-minded, set your hope fully. Now that's where we are going to look at. Being sober-minded. What does it mean to be sober-minded? It's not to get carried away. 
it is to take time to to understand how a particular thing works. When a guy or a lady is drunk, they would say, let us put them outside to be sober. Not so that they feel bad, but so that they come to a reality. They can make judgments accurately. And it's interesting that after the Bible says to us that this is what the angels are thinking about you, he said, now you, it is, this is your responsibility. Be preparing your mind to take action, but be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. And like I said, one of the things sober-minded, being sober-minded do, does, is that, is that you, you, you are, you know, when, when you see a drunk man, if he, if he sees a cow, he thinks he can lift up the cow with one hand. But when he becomes sober, he would understand that I cannot carry this by myself. Does that make sense? When God makes, says something to you, or when God releases a grace upon your life, it is important to understand. When you begin to understand your limitations as a human being, the diff and the 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 need for God's help to be able to carry out what He has told you to is when you are sober to begin to realize that when God is speaking about a particular thing. It is not in your strengths to think that you can achieve it. That is why he said, yes, the angels are looking at all of this, but you need to realize. But the only way you can understand that is when you're sober-minded. Now, when I am giving a car to 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 take from point A to B, I don't have keys. I would need somebody's help to help me to push it to the next stop. Or I need somebody's help to give me the keys. But the underlying thing is that you need help. I need help. So what he's saying in verse, 15, in verse 12 is that if you read all of that in verse 12, the only thing that would make you realize you need help or I need help is when I'm sober-minded. And help, as per scriptures is concerned, is what's called mercy. So when we begin to look at that, we will begin to see that mercy is not only because you have done something wrong, but because you realize you are limited as a human being. Then you need help. That is where mercy comes into place. When you read... Um, Romans chapter 9, 
Romans chapter 9 from verse 20, I believe. He says, but when, but who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall, shall, shall what as, shall, shall what is formed say to him who formed it, why did you form me like this? Does the potter not have the right to make out of uh, to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common purposes? See, when we don't, that's why that's why I started by saying that when you understand how kingdom works, unfortunately, in in kingdom there is no majority carrying the vote. That is why when, even when somebody goes to prison in this country, they would say they are there at the, our majesty's pleasure. One of the struggles we may have as, as we go through this is because at times, the, and that was why somebody would, some people would say, that that's the challenge with American gospel. Because when the gospel was brought from places where kings were ruling, they understood it better. But as it began to come into the democratic environment, people began to interpret the relationship of God via their democratic rights. And that is why some Bible scholars will believe that the right time that Jesus came, there was a reason why he came at the time he came. Because that is the time where, that is the only time when you have Israel under rule, but they were not brought into captivity in somebody's land. So before Egypt, they brought them there to come and be slaves. Babylon, they brought them there to come and be slaves. But in the case where they were, Romans were ruling them, but they were ruling them from afar. Caesar was sitting in Rome. Why is that important? Because a kingdom was coming that somebody would be sent to a place. The king will be in heaven, but he will be ruling people from here. So that system fitted in to what God was doing. So what I'm trying to say is that at times, as we begin to look at this, you may be, oh, but when we understand how the kingdom of God works. So you would see that the Bible says, let's come on please, verse 22. It says, what if God, although choosing shows is, um, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known and bore with great patience, the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction. But if he did this to make his rich and glory known, the object of his mercy, for whom he prepared in advance for his glory. Let's read, is that verse? Okay. But when you read verse 24, sorry, I didn't put that there. But 24 will say that, that he has chosen us to be vessels of his mercy. So the Bible is saying, at the ultimate, everything comes down to him. 
Everything comes down to him. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you, have, do you want to put that in the body? You can. Yeah, he said, even us, whom he has also called out of not, of, 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 of not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. Now, when you, if you read this in line with verse 23, he was talking about God decided to choose some as objects. Another King James Bachelor will tell you vessels of his mercy. Going ahead with this, as we begin to see how mercy actually, you know, how we, the need for God's mercy. God help us in Jesus' name. Now, it's important that whatever you have, you have received it by God's mercy. That will enable you to understand even quite a lot of things on how you go proceed in whatever capacity that God has put you. Because what does mercy be? We, we started off, what does mercy mean? Mercy means that I am aware that I'm limited as a human. If you don't, if you are not, and you begin to see how Paul begins to talk about it. Let's read the second point chapter um, 4. He said, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, I'm sorry, ministry, we do not lose heart. That means we are not, we are not challenged because we understand that this ministry that we have is not based on our perfection. It is received by mercy. It could be put whatever dimension that God, whatever God has given you. Because you will begin to see how, how Paul will begin to make some statements based on that. And he said, verse 2 says, rather we renounce Secret and shameful ways. We do not use the censure, the censure not distort the word of God. On the contrary, we set forth truth plainly. So basically, what he's saying is that no matter what it is, we are prepared to talk about it plainly. It is not because, because our ministry is was given to us by grace. I was preaching couple of about a year and a half ago or so somebody was privileged to be in church and I said some sudden things on the pulpit and the person called me afterwards I, I do respect that person the person called me afterwards but I understood where they were coming from I said ah as a pastor you can't, there's certain things you cannot say because people will feel that you know People would, people would feel that, you know, you know, if this guy is also having these issues, if, you know, there are, there are ways you, 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 there are certain things you just, you know, you hold your credit, you just say, no, it's not going to happen. And I was trying to explain to that person, I said, the ministry I received is by grace. 
In that case, see, most of the challenges that we have, when you have somebody killing somebody in order to hide something, killing somebody, and all this kind of stuff, it is because we have not realized, or we are not settled in our mind, that the ministry that you have received is by grace. If you have received that by grace, he says that I would renounce. So that means that I must have announced it. You must have he said, but I would renounce it. It, 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 it. What I'm trying to say is this. Even at your um, how let me put it now. Because I'm trying to I'm trying to lay emphasis on how mercy, how you should walk to realize as a person that the ministry, I'm talking about church, it could be it could be your workplace. It could be anything. Because what? If you don't understand this as a person, you would always want to, to lay claim on something and say that, ah, no, 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 no. This, this cannot, no, 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 this, this cannot be that, this cannot be that. Because the, I'm, I'm saying this, you may not understand, I, you may not understand, but I hope that because especially as you go on, as me and you go on in our journey with God, is that whatever you have received, that's what Paul said. He said, we have received this by grace. So we will talk plainly. We would, we would express plainly. That is why when Paul, when you see Paul, when Paul will talk about, when Paul talks about that Paul was killing people and things like that, you will never see anywhere in Paul where Paul denied it. Said, yeah. And it's not arrogance. It's by saying that, you know, that's what Paul will say. See, of all the apostles, I was the least. Paul was, Paul was having this, this says that, see, please understand, whatever you see me do, it is by grace. And not only, but I, as, as, um, as a person, understands that. So, when you understand this, there would be there will be freedom. That's why he said, "We do not lose hearts. We are, we do not lose hearts." And please, it's important that because as we begin to set the stool for God's mercy, is to understand that whatever aspect of life I am in, whatever place I am in. I am not called to perfect, I am called to seek perfection, but I am aware that it is by God's mercy. Somebody was asking me a couple of days ago about Ravi Zacharias. I don't know if you've heard about the story out there. And things like that. And one of the challenges with the body of Christ has come to, I am not saying what he has done is wrong. So he's right, it is wrong in all ways. But one of the issues, I will quote Benny Hinn as an example. Benny Hinn came out and apologized about um, about the money, prosperity gospel, and things like that. But and he said something. I watched. He said something. He said somebody said, "But why are you not kicking against?" He said because the the word he used. He said the sheep is too is too heavy. He said you cannot turn the sheep when the sheep is already going on. What is he saying? is that there's so much money at stake, there's so much things at stake, 
if I come out now to say X, Y, Z, what would happen? I would rather. And that is where I think, and I'm saying that, you know, so that as, we, as we begin to, is what I feel is that, at times one of the challenges that when you understand that this ministry and received it by grace, then it should be easy how you relate to things. How you relate to things. You know, when, when you see people talk about ministries and people say that, you know, the money is at stake. There's so much money. You cannot do You know, people have been told to, God help us in Jesus' name. You know, as we talk about God's mercy, as we talk about God's mercy, Amen. Hallelujah. So, let's just, um, God help us in Jesus' name. Sorry. Hallelujah. So, as we go on, now, see, this man has talked so much about God's mercy. Please, and he's talking about his ministry. As we go on, we'll get to a point where we would say, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, 15 and 16. He said, but when God set me apart from my mother's womb, he called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, to preach. So basically, what he's saying is that, yes, God had ordained me from heaven, and this is what I need to do. But within that capacity, I, re I realize the need for God's mercy. I realize the need for God's grace. I realize the need for God's grace. That's why when you get to Romans chapter 9, verse 16, he says, he says, it does not therefore depend on human desire or effort. But it is God's mercy. If you do not understand your limitations as a human being, there would be no need to ask for mercy. So when you see Paul writing this, Paul is trying to lay emphasis to people that we need God's mercy. We need God, God, God's mercy. And I would, I, would, I would illustrate this even more graphically when we get to some part of scripture. I'm just trying to lay emphasis on just to kind of show us the limitation of us as a human being and the message of God. You see Jesus talk about it, and this is why I think we should be, uh, we would look more into it. Matthew chapter 9 from verse 11 to 13. He was saying, now the Pharisees, when the Pharisees saw, saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, on hearing Jesus said, "It is not healthy. It is not for the. It is not the healthy that needs a doctor, but the sick." Now he now said, "Go and learn what this means. I desire sacrifice. Sorry, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Go and learn what this means." Go and learn what this means. Now, how does God 
operate in the things of his mercy, why is it important that you, we understand the mercies of God? Hebrews chapter 8. I'm just going to just say this. I just put that there just to say this, that as we begin to look at the tabernacle, I want you to understand that the Bible says that the sanctuary, uh, they serve as a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of, of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned that he should build the tabernacle. The, he, um, warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. So basically, we'll just, we'll just pause at that for a moment. As just All I'm saying is that as we begin to look at the tabernacle, as we begin to look at the mercy, as we begin to look at structures inside the tabernacle, God is saying this is a shadow, it is a pattern. So basically, I am trying to illustrate something to you in the tabernacle. So there is something in the tabernacle that is called the Hack of Covenant. There's something in the tabernacle that's called the Ark of Covenant. So when God said, build this according to what you see in heaven, I am sharing a pattern with you. So we'll just read from verse 14 of Exodus chapter, um, chapter 25. It says, insert poles in, in, into the rings on sides of the Ark and carry it. The poles, the poles are to remain in the rings of the Ark they are not to be removed. Then put in the hack the tablets of the covenant, which I will give to you. So God is saying, in that hack, all my laws that I have given to you, you put them in the hack. I'm going somewhere with this. Trust that God will, will, will help us. He now said, verse 17 said, make an atonement cover. Make, make an atonement cover. Please, can somebody read King James for us, please? I'm sorry if you, because that may. You have here, he says, atonement cover. Does anyone have new King James, please? Or do we have, can we put it on the return? So let's quickly go to the pictures. And thou shalt make a mercy seat of that, pure gold. That you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Two cubic and two and a half shall be. Sorry, sir. Why? Why he reads? Can you just put the picture up for me, please? Yes, sir. Two cubics and two and a half shall be the land thereof. So he says that you will make. Now, please let us, as we look at this. He said, you will put the laws, all the laws that I have given you, all the, all the commandments I have given you, put them in the hack. Now, he now said, you will have to make a mercy seat. Yes, sir. Of pure gold. Of pure gold, yeah. 
two cubics and two and a half shall be its length thereof, yeah. mm -hmm. and a cubic and half its breadth thereof. Yes, sir. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold, mm -hmm. of beaten work, shalt thou make them. Yes, sir. In the two end of the mercy seat, mm -hmm. and thou shalt make one cherub on the one end, and the other cherub on the other end. Even the mercy seat shall ye make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. Yeah. And cherubim shall stretch forth their wings mm -hmm. on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their face shall look one to another. Towards the mercy seat shall the face of the cherubim base be, and thou shalt make the mercy seat above unto the heart, yeah. and in the heart shall thou put the test testimony testimony that I have given to thee. God bless you, sir. Now, so, this is how we're going about it. God said, take the testimony that I have given you. Put them in the hack. Now, you would cover up that hack with the messages. He's saying that make sure that the Ark of Covenant, sorry, the mercy seat covers the entire part of that testimony. Basically, the Ark, the mercy seat is supposed to be a cover over it. Now, what I'm trying to point out to us is this. Whatever perfection that I have, according to the law, the Bible says, put them in the hack. But put the mercy seat upon your perfection. If the mercy seat is not on it, whatever testimony that you have, whatever righteousness that you have, Whatever rules, whatever, you know, somebody was saying something, and I think I would illustrate it with this. A man was, as in praying for his family, no, when he, he, he left, he became a Christian, his family were unbelievers. And each time he prayed, he goes back, and it was always a fight, one thing or the other. He was coming harder and harder. He said he prayed for them for 12 years. Then one day God was speaking to him. He said, God, your word said, you shall save me and my family. God, this is what you said. And God said, that is what I said. He said, so you cannot, you cannot, um, you are God, you cannot lie. He said, yes. I cannot lie. And God said to him, but something is missing. You need to approach me for mercy on this thing. What you have, your prophecies, your testimonies are this. But he said, as you take those things, put them in the hack, but place the mercy seat on them. Until the mercy of God is sought over an issue, there will always be a gap between you 
and the possibilities that God has shown you. This is not a question of have I done something bad or done something good. This is a question that this is how far my limitations can take me. How do I get to point B? The only way, the only gap that can be bridged on that case is asking God for mercy. Is asking God for mercy. Does God say that you should break his laws? No. That is why he said, put the testimony, the Ten Commandments, put them in the heart. But after you've done all of that, you need to approach my throne for mercy over it. You need to approach my throne for mercy over it. Because it, it is important that, that as we go through this Lenten period, you are seeing whatever it is that God has called you to do. You are seeing your limitation and you are asking God, God, I need mercy. Mercy is not only asking God, God, I've done something wrong. Mercy is God, I cannot do what you have called me to do. I need your mercy over this. The Bible says that you should make sure that that, that dimension is to make sure that mercy covers every aspect. So, when you see this testimony, that is the Ten Commandments that you, have, you and I have you know, either fulfilled or tried to fulfill or whatever it is. God is saying, put them in that hack. But when I want to come, because when you read on, he says that I will speak to you from the midst of the children. So when I want to come, I don't want, I don't want, I am not looking at your perfection alone. On top of that, you need my mercy seat to bring it to reality. This at times is difficult. Because as human beings, you would say, but I've done this. But I've fulfilled this. I've done that. But what God is bringing you and I to, yes, you have done that. But you still need my mercy. The reason why, do you know that there are people now, God has not said in his word that you should continue to sin. But there are people who are more perfect than you are. And by the standards of scripture, everyone is not their portion. Sorry. Scripture. That's what Jesus said. No man comes to the Father except through me. What God is saying is that the difference, that is why the Bible says no man can enter heaven by his own righteousness. And that is the same principle that God works with. Everything that you think, but when 
we may not be outside the fold of Christianity, but even within the fold, at times when you are standing before God, you're saying, God, but I did this. God, but I did that. God, but I did this. And he's saying, you need mercy. But because we have been programmed to think that mercy is what is what shows my weakness, then at times we stand before God not seeking his face for mercy. Because what mercy would do is to acknowledge that you are weak. But if you if your debate is still on, I am not weak, then mercy cannot happen. Now, weakness is not about saying that, oh, you know, I, I used to sin all the time. and so, No, that's not what we're talking about. Because I'm going to use Jesus as an example of the one that the Bible calls the one that is most perfect. But yet, before he can become what God wants him to become, he had to plead for God's mercy. He had to plead for God's mercy. And at times I feel that God is saying to every one of us, yes, mercy is not only that, you know, because I have seen God, I need mercy. No, mercy is after you have put everything in the heart of covenant. You need the mercy seat of God to sit on them. You need the mercy seat of God to sit on That's what Paul was talking about when he said we received this by mercy. Because if we have done everything, we still need God's mercy to fulfill them. God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Just quickly, um, let us chapter... Let's go to chapter 16, 14 to 15. Now, what they do is that they, when they put the mercy seat on, they put the blood on that mercy seat. If you go back to that Exodus, that Exodus, is it 25 that we first read, where he was talking about the angels, the cherubs. He said, above the cherubs, he said, um, the, 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 um, I'm so sorry. Yeah. He says the cherubs will face one another looking towards the mercy seat. So when the, when the cherubs even stand as intercession, what they are looking at is God's mercy seat. That God have mercy on these people. I know that it seems like we are painting God as an angry God. But he is not. But actually, it is his mercy that is, if you now read it, he now said in verse, the last one, he said, I will meet you there and give you up. I said, he, said, um, he said, I will meet with you. He said, from above the chains, that is where I will begin to speak. But what must be Seated is God's mercy. Let's just read on Facebook. Uh, let's go back to that. Next slide, please. So you will see that what the 
priest would do is take the blood and begin to sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Your, you and my righteousness, the law, is inside the, the heart and it is covered. But what God stands is to present the blood of Christ not on your righteousness but on the mercy seat. See, when a man receives God's mercy, you begin to see that certain things that then it would be easy for him to say, you know, you are you 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 prayed in a particular place and thousands of people you know um, who were sick became healed in that auditorium. A man that understands God's mercy will know within his own mind that this has not been done. But a man that doesn't understand that will still be when will still be talking about you know when we pray something must happen. And that is why when you see when the apostles, when they healed somebody, healed the man at the beautiful gate, the Bible said people were shocked. And the pastor said, What is going on here? Why are you so why are you so surprised? Sadly, how much of that do we still have? Someone will say, you cannot be a minister. So when somebody says that somebody is healed, you cannot look surprised. You have to make people see that you know what you're doing. But when the apostle said, I don't understand what you're talking about. Yes, this man got healed. But it is not, it has nothing to do with us. Why? Because they are beginning to realize that God's mercy. When you begin, when you and I begin to what makes God's mercy grow is the more you acknowledge it, the more it begins to grow. The message of God grows the more you acknowledge it. Someone says, I know. How is it possible for you to do X, Y, Z? See, there are there are ways there is there are differences. Please let me just put it there. There are differences. You can have a conversation. You can have a mental a mental view of something. What I mean, mental view of something. I'm saying that when it says that it is you know it is a spontaneous response. But in your heart, in your heart of heart, you do not see. That's what, that's what we're talking about. Where, where I'm taking us to now by God's grace. You know, yesterday evening, I was on my knees also praying to God for mercy. So I'm not here just throwing things at you. I say that when you begin to understand how the mercy of God operates, Lots of things will be easy. Lots of things will be easy. God bless us in Jesus' name. So let's just quickly go on. So the Bible says, 
Let's go to Hebrews chapter 8, because we're time. Hebrews chapter 8. We read that verse 5, I'm just saying verse 6 now. All I'm just trying to say is that the Bible connects that tabernacle to the ministry of Jesus. He said Jesus even has a more perfect one than the rest. Now, Hebrews chapter 4 now says to us, Hebrews chapter 4, he says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Now, the problem is this, is that if you cannot acknowledge your limitation, even in the best of who you are as a human being, then don't even bother moving forward. He said, but we have, but has, but we have no, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, yet they don't say. And I said, on the basis of that, on the basis of that, let us come approach the throne of grace with confidence. Now, that we may receive mercy. So that means that what comes to my mind is this. You can approach the throne of grace and obtain anything. You can say, God, you know that everything has been perfect for me. God, you know that I fasted 40 days. God, you know that this, you know that that. But Paul is saying, please, in this case, we are approaching the throne of God to receive one thing. Mercy. But he has to come from the point of acknowledging your weakness as a human being. You know, here he hasn't, talk, he, hasn't, he hasn't spoken about that you sinned. He said, acknowledging your weakness, then you can approach God for mercy. Let's just go to Hebrews chapter 5. That's why we look. Um, Hebrews chapter 5. Now, I'm just going to use this as an illustration as I bring everything together. I've highlighted some parts in there for you to just see, and I'm just going to lay emphasis on that. That was not highlighted in the scriptures, just laying emphasis on it. The Bible says in another passage, God said to him, You are a priest. Please, what does that mean? That means that is who you are. It cannot change. He said forever in the order of Melchizedek. While he was here on it, he offered prayers. Please note that it is not only prayers that he offered. The Bible says, and pleadings. It wasn't only prayers. Pleading. Pleading means have mercy. Please, this is Jesus that did not sin. This is Jesus that is perfect. This is Jesus that God personally spoke to him. But the Bible says he pleaded with a loud cry and tears. 
to him who is able to rescue him from death. And God had his prayers because of deep reverence. What does deep reverence mean? Is that he understands that this, when you reverse somebody, you're saying, you are the one that will have the financing. You're saying, I depend on you. I am not here to, you know, there is a song that we normally sing. He said, I am not here to say anything. I am just I, I am just throwing myself at your feet and pleading with you, saying, have mercy. Now, if you go to that verse, he said, even though Jesus was a son, he lent obedience to suffering. Verse 9 is where I'm going. In this way, God qualified him to become to, as an high priest. And he became. I thought God said he was the priest. How did he not get to verse 9 and God said he became? Because within his journey from what God said to becoming it is the place for mercy. Because the journey between chapter verse 6, if you read from verse 5 also, we don't have it there, but don't worry. Verse 5 and 6 to verse 8, sorry, to verse 9, it is a journey of asking God for mercy. Did Jesus do some, something wrong? No. What was he crying over? What God had promised? Was God trying to witch hunt his son? No. It's just that when you understand how the kingdom of God works, then we appreciate the position of asking God for mercy. And I'll end it by reading that scripture that we read. Isaiah chapter 55. He said, Hope. Everyone who tests, come to the waters. You who have no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine, milk without money or price. And the Bible says, if we read on, the Bible says, why do you spend your money? You know, what you will use your money to get is what, your, is what, is what, is what you can afford. I don't know if that makes sense. If I have 10,000, if I have 100,000 pounds in my account, I can only buy a house worth 100,000. Or even if you're going to get a mortgage, you can only get a mortgage to the limits of your ability. So he's saying, it's not that you are not buying, but you are buying based on your own ability. So you are buying things that cannot satisfy you. He said, 
He said, he said, he said, and you spend your wages on things that do not satisfy. Then the Bible now says, he says, let your soul delight itself in abundance. He said, now incline your ears. Come to me. Hear me. And your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. What I am talking about is the sure message of David. What God is illustrating to you. I know you have money. You have the ability to fast 70 days. For you need my mercy at the end of it. I know that you've done everything right. You've never done anything wrong. But you still need my mercy at the end of it. And when you realize this, you, would, you and I will behave like the Bible says. Carry all the testimony that God has given us. Put them in the hack and place the Mississippi on them. Every aspect of my life, the Bible says I will become more like Christ. I may have one or two challenges, but I carry that, place it in the hack. I say, God, I have tried. I need your mercy. God has said, Oh, you would, you would, you would, um, you would win a billion souls. God has tried. I am trying, but it doesn't seem to be as easy. What you need to do: pack everything into the hack of covenant and place the mercy seat on them. Because except the mercy of God comes upon it, what you and I will be buying is what your strength can afford. There are lots of things that God is, is speaking to us as a body of Christ, as a church. But I feel that in all, we must first of all ask God for his mercy. The mercy of God is not only when you have done something wrong. The mercy of God is the gap between you and total ability God has given you. And where do I ask for mercy? The Bible says, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. He said, Because of your great mercy and compassion. When you read, sorry, the King James, I'm sorry if I, if I let you run it. Or did, I, thought, I thought you were going to put the new King James in there. But, you know, he, he would say, that Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23, instead of love, he would put mercy there. But he said, because of the Lord's great mercy, the King James Bachelor will say that, the, um, and, and, and KJ will also put, put it down to you, and so I think NIV or NLT also. Yeah, he said, through the mercies, the Lord's mercies, we are not being consumed. 
He said, because his compassion will not fail. He said, when do we need it? He said, they are new every morning. So that means that every morning I must ask God for mercy. That means that on a daily basis, I must ask him for mercy. I cannot live a day without approaching the throne of grace, saying, God, I need mercy. Because I cannot achieve what God has told me to achieve except by mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First Peter says, but you are a chosen people. A, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession. Again, this is the part where I begin to declare. He said that you may declare the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into, into the marvelous light. He now said, this is the sober mind part of it. He said, you were once you were, you were once not a people, but now you are a people of God. You have once not received mercy. So, say, but now you have received mercy. What he's saying is that to function as a royal priesthood, to function as a holy nation, to function as a special people, you need what differentiated you from from where you were before is God's mercy. But that mercy has to be asked for. That's why when he said, when we said you should come to the throne of grace, he specifically told you what to ask for. So it is not just an add-on, it is a request. May God grant us grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Let us stand up as we as we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. Have a blessed week.